Hello, I'm Kendra Von Esch, and you are listening to my 10-minute daily podcast, Reality Reflections. I bought into what this world said would make me happy. Money, prestige, power. And hey, if it feels good, do it, because life is stressful, so party hard. Do whatever makes you happy. But that didn't quite work out, because I felt even more insecure, full of fear, shame, and anxiety, and never, ever good enough. Then God found me and flipped my reality upside down and transformed my life. And I want this for everyone. So I left my executive career to help others find true acceptance, supernatural peace, joy, and love that only comes from a relationship with God. Here is my reality reflection for today. All right, I talked about the meaning of life yesterday. We're going to kind of cram a bunch of stuff in today because the readings again with David and Saul couldn't be more smack you in the face. And they're awesome. And honestly, they tie back to the meaning of life. So let's read, shall we? Because I know not a lot of people know the Old Testament. And that's okay. We all start from ground zero somewhere. So perhaps you didn't hear my podcast the other day, but here we've got Saul and David. And David is the one who killed Goliath. He had five smooth stones in his hand, took one, slingshotted it between his brow. Boom, Goliath goes down. And then, of course, David chops off his head. All of the town is so excited saying David killed or Saul killed thousands David killed 10,000 and of course Saul's jealous of David Saul's king Saul is worried about David taking over his kingship and then Jonathan his son Saul's son knows that he's thinking about killing him runs to David because he likes the guy, tells him, hey, heads up, get the heck out of here, I'll go talk to my dad, talks to his dad, convinces him for a moment not to go kill David, but then Saul changes his mind. Again, why? It's jealousy and pride. Thinking about yourself. God doesn't even come into mind. If you're out looking to kill someone, I can tell you God is not the center of your life. And now, here we are. We pick up on 1 Samuel 24, 3 through 21. Saul took 3,000 picked men from all Israel and went in search of David and his men in the direction of the wild goat crags. When he came to the sheepfolds along the way, he found a cave, which he entered to relieve himself. But David and his men were occupying the inmost recesses of the cave. David's servants said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will deliver your enemy into your grasp. Do with him what you will. So David moved up and stealthily cut off an end of Saul's mantle. Afterward, however, David regretted that he had cut off the end of Saul's mantle. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master the Lord's anointed, as to lay a hand on him, for he is the Lord's anointed. 
With these words, David restrained his men and would not permit them to attack Saul. Saul then left the cave and went on his way. David also stepped out of the cave, calling to Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked back, David bowed to the ground in homage and asked Saul, Why do you listen to those who say David is trying to harm you? You see, for yourself today, that the Lord just now delivered you into my grasp in the cave. I had thought of killing you, but I took pity on you instead. I decided I will not raise a hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed and a father to me. Look here at the end of your mantle, which I hold. Since I cut off an end of your mantle and did not kill you, see and be convinced that I plan no harm and no rebellion. I've done you no wrong, though you are hunting me down to take my life. The Lord will judge between me and you, and the Lord will exact justice from you in my case. I shall not touch you. The old proverb says, from the wicked comes forth wickedness. So I will take no action against you. Against whom are you on campaign, O king of Israel? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog or a single flea? The Lord will be the judge. He will decide between you and me. May he see this and take my part and grant me justice, to, justice beyond your reach. When David finished saying these things to Saul, Saul answered, Is that your voice, my son David? And Saul wept aloud. Saul then said to David, You are in the right rather than I. You have treated me generously, while I have done you harm. Great is the generosity you showed me today. When the Lord delivered me into your grasp and you did not kill me, for if a man meets his enemy, does he send him away unharmed? May the Lord reward you generously for what you have done this day. And now I know that you shall surely be king and that sovereignty over Israel shall come into your possession. Okay, one more thing. The Alleluia. This is what I reflected on today. Because as I read this, I heard God speaking to me. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Basically, God's bringing the world to the revelation of himself through his son. And he's entrusting all of us the message of reconciliation. Okay, now let's talk about the meaning of life. First, it's faith, right? We must be given that beautiful gift of faith. Because without belief in God, 
our life really has no meaning. If I look back, I never ever even wondered what the meaning of life was because I was so busy and constantly bombarded with what the world told me I needed and wanted and should strive after, which was money and things and pleasure. And when you think about it, I mean, I just thought you work until you retire and then you enjoy your life. (laughs) You know? And that is so wrong. We have been a bunch of consumers. We have been morphed from buyers and consumer-driven people I'm sorry, we've been morphed from, I mean, <laughs> this is what I did yesterday, Told said the total opposite thing. We are created as a family. The whole deal of the Bible and salvation history starts as a family. And then it's that family to create more family, but to raise the family as little Christs, to help out, to churn the garden to grow things to you know live off of this beautiful land that he gave us that's how it was supposed to be and then man started inventing things and then the industrial revolution and then more and more convenience and more and more I mean, look at what we've done to ourselves with our food and our packaging and our medicine. And I mean, we have destroyed what God really had put in place for us, which was, here's my land with all of my food, all of my herbs, my flowers, all of my healing agents. And here I am for you. And I want to say how important this is to me now because over the last two years when my husband and I had started really thinking about what's important in life how short life is we lost two very important people in our lives we started looking at was at what was going on in the world we looked at our finances we thought okay we can stop spending you should I'm amazed at how little spending we do and how we ask why do we need this or do we need this every single time. You know, it's almost even like pizza. I've been starting to make pizza dough and I'm... (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, gosh. It wasn't very successful the first couple times. I mean, it was like eating a piece of wood. It was that dense and you only needed one piece. (laughs) So you didn't have to have multiple pieces. But if you think about ordering a pizza, you know, you're talking 40 bucks anymore with any toppings on it. When we could make our own dough and have our own toppings and make it for less than five, six bucks. And it tastes better and it's hot. And I know what I'm putting on. I know what I'm making. So it's just been a totally different 
vision of life with the view of how God wants us to live. That's why we decided to, to, to go down to Tennessee and buy some acreage where we're surrounded by God. We even talked about not having a microwave yesterday. Crazy. And we're not going off the grid, y'all. We're not like doing this refuge thing. So don't think that that's what it is. It's just my husband and I wanting nature and God around us. That's it. I mean, we're looking forward to a fire pit. And we're going to be putting all these little bird baths and bird feeders everywhere. Yeah, my husband hunts. I mean, he'll be going back there to do some of that. But in the end, we even said we weren't sure because we won't have the best signal. Should we even get cable? Like maybe we just stream a thing here or there. Because we want to be looking at the sky as our TV at night. So that's part of God's intended way for us to live, is helping one another out. You know, growing vegetables and trading them with your neighbor who happens to maybe, I don't know, grow herbs or something, and or has chickens, or I don't know. It's hard here where I live right now in a populated, real populated neighborhood, I know all my neighbors. They're fantastic. And if I need anything, I'm asking them. No question. But a lot of people don't have that. I mean, we don't even know what our neighbors are good at to do anything in trade. So it boils down to the two greatest commandments, the first and the second. And you know what? That first commandment, keeping God the center of your life, really means reconciling yourself to him. Not just praying to him, not just talking to him all day, but making sure that you frequent, you Catholics out there, that sacrament of reconciliation. That was what hit me today in the readings because I've blown it off for a week. Was going to go on Saturday, didn't go. Was going to go Wednesday, didn't go. I hope to go tomorrow. I hope when I say... Because I'm, I'm going to go tomorrow. I chose other things instead. And shame on me. So that's what it's about. Keeping God the center of our lives. Reconciling our hearts with him. Think about what David, immediately when he cut the mantle off, the corner of it, he regretted it. And then he reconciled to God. Okay, Lord, I'm not going to take this man's life. I mean, he was probably pretty psyched up to do it. The dude next to him was all like, look at this. The Lord said the dude's going to be delivered in your hands. Here he is. Go ahead, chop off his head, kill him. You know, he had people egging him on. All he does is cut off the mantle and immediately it's the spirit within him. Hey, wait a minute. God anointed this guy. Yes, he was king. But that doesn't mean that he didn't anoint all of us. We're all his children. So hence number two, (laughs) the second greatest commandment. Is to remember that we're all his children. 
including us, that he loves us so much. All he wants is for us to love ourselves and love others. That means being kind and generous. You can see throughout the, or here, you can go see if you read it, throughout the first reading, where the word generous was said. So if you happen to struggle with the meaning of love, then think about the word generous. Just being generous to someone. And it doesn't mean money. It means generous with your thoughts, your words, your gestures, your actions, your time. And generous with your love, of course. Okay. How much time do we have? I'm not on my app here. Okay, we've gone way over, but that's it. Keeping God the center of your life and reconciling yourself to him when you do wrong. That was the big message to me. So I'm going to tell you that I got to get my butt to confession. And it's not for any mortal stuff. It's just been a couple of weeks. And you all know that I'm this weekly person and I've been slacking lately. A lot. I'm going two weeks, two and a half weeks. I need to get back more. And then loving ourselves and loving everybody else. And we can't do that until we allow God into our lives and our hearts and ask him to change them every single day. Lord, give us more faith. Help me love these people in my life that push every button I have. Help me love all these people who don't believe what I believe. Let me love them the way they are but still not give up on helping to guide them to truth. Alrighty, everyone. It seems so simple, but what happened was the world messed it up. Satan and the ruler of this world did everything it could to deter us from the true God life we are supposed to be having here on this earth. And it's so disappointing. And I hope that maybe a little of this helps you think about your life and think about keeping things in perspective. Because I am going to tell you, when you have this mindset of, I don't need to buy these things. These, this simplifying, satisfied mindset. You really realize that all this stuff that the TV tells you you need, you don't. I mean, I'm in the middle of my hair completely half gray, half golden blonde. It's the most awkward thing ever. And, I, you know, I mean, I could easily just do something and spend some money to just slide some more kind of like bleach through to the bottoms and everything. But I don't want to spend the money. So I'm doing the best I can to like blend it a little bit. I've got sort of this gold dust that I use sometimes. But 
left over. I mean, it's even that kind of stuff. Like I decided to go gray instead of spending 120 bucks on my hair every six weeks. Think about that. And why am I doing that? Because the world told me I needed to. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it also comes with detachment. I'm not going to lie because I don't really give a rat's butt what anybody says, what anybody thinks, except my husband, who I asked first before I decided to do this. I said, look, if we're looking at money, my hair's not looking that bad. I mean, I think I could grow it out and not have to dye it. And he was like, okay. I don't know. I feel so much more free. Light. Maybe in control a little bit. And that's weird because that's not what I'm trying to gain. But I feel more in control of my stress. Because I don't have it as much because I give it to God. And we aren't living in the future trying to take it day by day. So let's walk today with God. Invite him into our hearts to change, to be more faithful, to love him more, love ourselves, love others, and don't forget to go to confession. Reconcile your heart with God because you will never, ever regret it. You may not have the best counsel when you're in there from the priest, but don't you forget that the priest doesn't make the confession legit. It's legit. And remember, when you go in there, you're not talking to that priest. You're talking to Jesus. So remember that. Have your remorse. Right? Make sure that you are going in completely repentant for what you've done. And you will come out white as snow, light as air, ready, honestly, to love in a different way. All right, everyone, I love you all. Find something more with God and have a blessed and inspired day.